their prey is. We know that in the in the central or the unique prayers of Rosh Hashanah, we find very unique prayers in the additional Amida prayer or the Musaf prayer as it's called for the day of Rosh Hashanah. In that additional Musaf prayer for the day of Rosh Hashanah, we have, if we only study it, many, many of the themes of what Rosh Hashanah is all about. And there is an interesting structure within the Machsar, which is the holiday prayer book, that basically runs a structure which is described Talmudically as Malchias, Zichronos, and Shofros. Translated into English, verses that are brought from the Bible and from the prophets and from Scripture that describe God's kingdom on earth and God's relationship of king to his people. Zichronos are verses again in exact structure from the Bible, from Scripture, and from prophets as well, the exact same amount of verses as well, discussing God's connection to the world, His remembering the world, His saving the world in different situations, the aspect of God's remembrance and care for His world. That's called Zechronos. And then we have an equal amount of verses from the same sources, Bible, Scripture, and prophets, that deal with Shofros, that deal with all of the sources and all of the different places where we have the shofar mentioned in our literature and the significant points in our history where a shofar played a role, beginning with the Akedah, the binding of Isaac, and the shofar that was present, or at least the sound of the shofar that was present at the mountain of Sinai, going all the way historically to the shofar of Mashiach, the, the call of the shofar, the call of the ram's horn that will bring, usher in the, the messianic era. And basically, this structure of Malchia, Zichronos, and Shofros is a unique structure, ten verses, split between the Bible, the Scriptures, and the Prophets, ten for Malchios, for the royalty verses, ten for the remembrance verses, and ten for the Shofros, for the, the call of the Shofar concept. And this occupies a major part of the uniqueness of the Musaf prayer, the additional Amida prayer of the Rosh Hashanah holiday. And what I'd like to zero in on is one particular phrase that finds itself as the introduction to the Zichronos, to the remembrance that God has for His world, those ten verses. And it opens up and it begins in the following way. Zehayim, this is that day. Chilas Ma'asecha, the beginning of your workings, Zikaran Yaim Rishon, and it acts as a commemorative day for the very, very first day of creation. Basically, the statement is saying that the day of Rosh Hashanah is the birthday of creation. Zehayim, it was this day so many years ago, Tchilas Ma'asecha, that we saw the beginning of your workings, the beginning of your creation, and therefore this day is, a com- is commemorative of that very first day. In essence, we can then say that Rosh Hashanah is being described in this verse as, number one, the beginning of God's ma'aseh, God's action with His world, the creative process with His world, and that Rosh Hashanah every year is, in a sense, a celebration of the birthday of creation. Now, there is a bit of a problem in, in a technical aspect with this simply because if one looks through the Talmudic discussions about exactly when the world was created, so to speak, even according to the opinion that maintains that the world came into existence around this time of the year, the Tishrei time of the year, which is the Hebrew month for the beginning of Rosh Hashanah, the actual creation of the world did not begin on the day of Rosh Hashanah, which is the first day of Tishrei. But the actual creation of the world began on 25 days in Elul, which was six days before Rosh Hashanah. That's when it began. The first day of creation was 25 days in Elul. The second day of creation was 26 days in Elul, which comes out next week, and so on until the sixth day of creation was the day of Rosh Hashanah, the first day of Tishrei. So we immediately have a problem in a, in a, I hate to call it a technicality, but it is a technical point, 
that the Machzor, our, our holiday prayer book, identifies the day of Rosh Hashanah as the day where the process of creation begins and therefore is a birthday of creation, while we in fact know that according to the opinion that the world was created in this period of the calendar year, it really started six days before then. It started on Chav El, 25 days in Elul. And this is a problem. Zehayim Tchilas Masechus should refer to 25 days in Elul. That's when it all started. It didn't start on the first day of Tishri, quite to the contrary, on the, on the first day of Tishri, that was the day that creation ended. It was the sixth day of creation. This is a very open, obvious problem with the, the text of our holiday prayer book. And the answer to it is a very profound answer. It is not a mistake that somebody wrote into the prayer book, but there is a very profound answer. The, the author that put together the text of the prayer book knew quite well that creation began, according to this opinion, 25 days in Elul. There's no doubt about that. But the point is that the most meaningful part of creation, the most meaningful part of creation came about with the creation of man. Every other part of creation was intended to be in some way or, or other a, to the service of man, to be elevated by man, to be at the um, use of man. But the central creation, the purpose of creation, for what was the world created? The world was created for man. And because of this, when we refer to the beginning of creation, this is the beginning of God's action, we say, yes, the day of Rosh Hashanah is Masecha because that's where we see the reason for it all, the purpose for it all, the, how everything comes together and finally meets the, the matara, the goal that was, that was intended. This is the answer that is given. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to try to explain a little bit better what that means. Listening to what I just said now, as I did listening to myself, a person can get the idea that there were a lot of different things in creation, and being that the most important part of creation was man, so even though creation really began earlier, but we focus in on the most important dimension of creation. We focus in on the most important... Everything's important, everything has a, has a role, but it all serves man. Man is the focus of creation, and therefore we identify the day of man's creation, which was really the sixth day of creation, as Tchilas Masecha. That's where we see the beginning of God's actions. But the truth of the matter is that it's a little bit difficult to understand. Because after everything is said and done, if the, if the prayer book would say, this is the day of your most significant creation, fine. But it says, that's when you started to do something. In the very literal definition of that's when you started to do something, it doesn't fit, because really was five days before that, on not on the sixth day when man was created. So the answer, well, this was the most important part of it, doesn't really, you know, it's a nice answer, but how does it fit into the words? So let me explain it a little bit better. What it really means is the following. Tchilas Ma'asecha, the concept, this is the beginning of God's actions, does not mean the beginning of God's actions in the sense of when God started. But Tchilas Ma'asecha means this is the beginning of our awareness of God's actions. In other words, when we say Zehayim Tchilas Ma'asecha, what we're saying is basically the following thing. We're saying that the ultimate purpose of creation, why all of creation was worth it, was for the fact that after everything is said and done, there would be a recognition on man's part of God. For a world to be created and man to remain in a total confusion and in total fog of the fact that there is a creator and that there's a purpose for creation, and that there's a relationship of God to creation, and a relationship of God to created being, if all of that would remain in a state of confusion, and in a state of darkness, 
So then there is no tchilas ma'asecha, there is no real beginning of your workings. When the, when the prayer book says the beginning of your workings, it means the following. God's workings are all geared. And the goal of all of God's workings are to be able to create a situation within which man grapples with a God awareness. That's, so what the verse is now saying in the prayer book is, When did that come down to earth? that there is a possibility to grapple and to reveal and to bring out the God awareness for which the world was created, that function of the purpose for which the world was created, the God awareness, that was accomplished on Rosh Hashanah, on the very day of Rosh Hashanah. And this is really the reason why we know that there is, in every single day of the week, there is a a song that we sing at the end of our prayers. Hashir The song that the Levites used to sing in the temple when we had a temple. And every day had a different song. And classically, after our prayers, it's custom, it's not law, but it's customary to say that particular song that the Levites used to sing in the temple. So the Gemara says, what was the song that they sang on the sixth day of creation, on the sixth day of the week? So the Gemara says, Hashem Molach Geus Lavesh. God is now a king, and he wears in exaltedness and in beauty his, his royalty. Now what's the connection of Hashem Molach Geus Lavesh to the sixth day? The connection of Hashem Molach to the sixth day is this c- connection. God is a um, king over everything else in creation as well. But the point of the function of accepting God as king, striving for God awareness, seeing it, unraveling it, living with it unraveled in an, a state of, un, of awareness which accepts that relationship of God to, as a king to the world, that is something that occurred with the sixth day of creation, with the creation of man. So the concept of God awareness and God as king, that comes out with the sixth day of creation. Now, to say it even a little bit better, that it's not only a question of the function of bringing out God awareness, which, was a, which would be accomplished by man, it goes one step further than that as well. And it goes to the, to the extent of saying the following. The truth of the matter is that all of creation really recognizes its creator. That's the truth. It's not as if only man with his tremendous intellectual capacities has the ability to become aware of God and recognize the fact that God is creator. The truth of the matter is that there isn't a blade of grass and there isn't a living thing that doesn't have a sense of God as creator. And this is why the Talmud tells us that the entire creation sings. And the concept of the entire creation singing is really the, the excitement and the exhilaration that creation has in recognizing the fact that it is coming and it is being drawn from God, from God as creator. And that sense of awareness creates a happiness and it creates an exhilaration which is expressed as shira, as song, that all of nature sings a song of God awareness. So the truth of the matter is that really all of creation is aware of God. But there is one aspect in terms of creation, in terms of God as king, that only man can serve that role. And what is it? What it is is that the concept of a melech, the concept of a king, is not only a concept of who is a ruler. Sometimes you have rulers that are not called Melech. They're called Moshel. What's the distinction between a Melech, a king, and a Moshel, a ruler? What's the difference between a king, Melech, and Moshel, a ruler? The distinction is that a Melech comes into his relationship as Melech with his subjects because of the relationship with his subjects. There's an acceptance on the part of the subjects of this particular individual to be the Melech. We accept you. We're aware of you. We like you. We want you. 
We want to be tied to you. We want to work for you. We want to have a relationship with you. That's Melech. A Melech is a Melech by virtue of the power of the subjects that have made him Melech. Hence the uh, terminology, long live the king. Long live the king is not just a nice expression, but it really is the guts of what Melech is all about. Moshe, on the other hand, which is ruler, is where a person can even impose his will and the way he wants to direct the situation even against the, the, um, the choice of the people that he's, he's subjecting to his rule. And that's the di- distinction between a Melech and a Moshe. Now, let's look at nature and let's look at man. All of nature has a recognition of God, knows that God is created, knows that it was, everything in nature knows that it was created for a certain purpose, a spiritual purpose for which God created it and that's why it's here. But that recognition is a recognition which is almost an imposed recognition by the nature of what it is. It has uh, an idea of this connection to God. But there was no choice that was made about it. There was no struggle involved in it. The only thing in all of the created world that has to struggle with the concept of God and has to not be aware of it but accept it is man. Because man has the Bechira. Man has, man has opened to him this function of free will where he can say, I like the concept, I'll search for the concept, I'll try to understand the concept, or go the other way. I'm not interested in the concept, I don't want to understand the concept, I don't want to be tied to the concept, and leave me alone. So therefore, the function of melech, the function of a relationship of king, in the sense of subjects accepting the king, and where the relationship is built or where the connection is built by virtue of the fact that there's a relationship of acceptance, that is something that is unique to man. That is something that is unique to man. Because man has the Bechira. Man has the choice open. And the fact that I could have said no, and I said yes, in the fact that I had the liberty and freedom to say no. And I didn't say no, but I said yes, I will accept. There's a depth of crowning God as king that lies in going through the struggle of that choice and finally coming to the, to the result of saying, yes, I want God. In other words, the fact that I struggle with it and, it and it goes through my being, should I or shouldn't I, the fact that I in the end finally make the statement, yes, that is a statement that has a lot of depth in the relationship of Melech. <coughs> So going back as, as an introduction to what we're talking about this evening, This is the day, the beginning of your actions, and it's commemorative of the very first day of creation. On the first level, what this is saying is the following thing. It, this is the day, this is really the beginning of your actions because this is the day that you created that which is capable of choosing and accepting the concept of God. That this day is unique in. All other days had things that were created and were the actions of God, but, but in order to make a statement of choice, crowning God, crowning the concept of the awareness of God, that wasn't in the first five days of creation. That was only made possible by the creation of man. The creation of man makes a dramatic statement about God as a melech in his world because of the struggles of man and man's accepting it. This is the first concept in Zehayim Tchilas Masecha. But let's go a little bit further. <coughs> let's go a little bit further and let's try to analyze this. So how are we identifying the day of Rosh Hashanah? We're saying that the day of Rosh Hashanah, when we walk into the day of Rosh Hashanah, we're trying to take a historical time machine back to the first Rosh Hashanah of creation. How would we imagine the day looked? What was the day all about? The day was a day in which God created that which made it possible 
the definitive statement of a relationship that's built upon man's acceptance of God. That's what the day of Rosh Hashanah is. In other words, the uniqueness of the day, the blend of the day. What God put into this day is, what did God put into the day of Rosh Hashanah, that day of man's creation? God put a blessing that man would have the ability to accept God and create a relationship with God to his world by virtue of his choice. That's what that day of... Everything else was nature. Everything else was innate recognition. The day of Rosh Hashanah, God said, I want to create something that will be able to make a definitive statement on its own that there is a God. And by making that definitive statement, it's not only a statement, but it's the beginning of a relationship as well. As God is a melech, because I've accepted that by my choice. In essence, then, if that's what the day of Rosh Hashanah is, so on the other hand, when we have to understand what it is that we're supposed to be doing on the day of Rosh Hashanah itself, when we try to understand where do we fit into the day of Rosh Hashanah, it would seem that the most logical thing that we should be preoccupied with is with this gift that was created on this day. What was the gift that was created on this day? A human being that by the way the human being is created, he can create a relationship due to acceptance through struggle of God. That's what the day is all about. It would seem that in order to put ourselves in line and in tune and in spirit with the day, that we should preoccupy ourselves with such an endeavor that on the day of Rosh Hashanah we should try to make a choice about do we want God in our lives or don't we? Now, everything that I said up to this point could be deemed philosophically abstract. If God is here with me or without me, he's a king with me, he's without me, what are you, what are you getting me involved in this for? What do I have to get involved in this? But the truth of the matter is that that's precisely the point. The point is that no day of the year is different than any other day in the fact that God is God and in the fact that God rules the world and that God is king of the world. There is no day that's different than any other day. But there is one day that is different in the sense that a gift is given to man A power is given to man to know that this is a day that was created with one purpose in mind, giving man the gift of coming to God through accepting God. In other words, not not that there's God in the world because God is in the world, it's a fact that God is in the world. But this is a day that God is in the world because God created the abilities on man's part to choose to accept God. That's what the day is about. So therefore, when we talk about believing in God, not believing in God, is he here with me or is he here without me, that is all extraneous to the day of Rosh Hashanah. On the day of Rosh Hashanah, it's more of a personal question. Is God in the world for me? Not is God in the world, but is God in the world for me? In other words, do, in other words is it something that has anything to do with me? In other words, if I make a statement, yes, I believe that God exists in the world, but he has nothing to do with me, I'm too busy with other things, or he's too busy with other things, that is not a concept of accepting God as a melech. That's not the spirit of the day of Rosh Hashanah. The spirit of the day of Rosh Hashanah is to extend the concept of God's existence to God's existence as it relates itself to me. In other words, can I see myself accepting in my life a concept of God? Now, I'll get more specific about what it means to accept the concept of God. But that's really what the essence of it is all about. And to take it just a little bit, a step further, to take it a little bit deeper, one could say that that is what the day is gifted with. In other words, similar to that, in other words, when God came to the sixth day of creation, what did God say? I want to give to this world a component that will be able to accept God. 
Make God alive through acceptance. That's what I want to give to this world. So that's a present that God gave to the world, and what it became was man with his potentials. That's what it was. But it was a present. It was a giving to the world. When God created animals, that was a giving to the world. When God created man, that was a giving to the world. What kind of a giving to the world was it? It was a giving to the world of a level of acceptance of God, of a relationship to God that comes through the acceptance on a personal basis, not just a theory, but a personal acceptance that creates a live God because I've accepted Him through my struggles. That's the gift of the day, and that's what's available on the day of Rosh Hashanah. So even if it's seemingly hard for a human being to, so to speak, incorporate the abstract uh, philosophical belief of a God into one's life all year round, when it comes to the day of Rosh Hashanah, it is more accessible to the person. Because that is, in essence, what the spirit of the day is all about. Now, let me explain it a little bit better. Let me explain it a little bit better. Let's try to develop this. Every holiday has something which is called Kedushas Hayyim, a sanctity that is unique to that particular day. Every holiday has a sanctity. It's called Kedushas Hayyim, the sanctity of that day. Now, the sanctity of any day which is a holiday comes by, by definition directly related to the gift of that particular holiday. In other words, let me explain, let me give you two examples for this. On Pesach, there is a Kedusha Sayyim, there is a sanctity in the time of Passover. What is the sanctity of the time? Because God gave the world a gift of redemption. What does that mean? The ability to take yourself out of a state of bondage. That is a gift. It is a spiritual gift. The ability to take yourself out of a state of bondage is a spiritual gift, and because it is a spiritual gift, it carries with it a sanctity that sanctifies that time. So there is something that happens, which is a spiritual gift. The fact that it is a spiritual gift means that God has given an element of spirituality to the world, and that is, so to speak, what crowns the world at that particular time with Kedusha, with holiness. Take, for instance, Shavuos the holiday in which God gave Torah to the Jewish people. What, so that's an incident that happened, but it's also a gift of spirituality that was given to the world, the whole Torah. So it's a spirituality that was made available to the world, and because it's some, a spiritual gift that was made available to the world, the world became sanctified in that gift-giving. Passover becomes sanctified in the gift-giving of redemption. Shavuos becomes sanctified in the gift-giving of the Torah. And virtually every holiday that we have that has Kedusha Sayom, that has a concept of holiness attached to it, has a spiritual uh, an incident which is symbolic or is, can be identified with a spiritual gift and that becomes the form of sanctity, the form of holiness that is coming into the world. There's a major question when it comes to Rosh Hashanah. Nothing happened on Rosh Hashanah. What happened on Rosh Hashanah? The Jew didn't leave Egypt. The Jew didn't get a Torah. There's not, nothing happened on the day of Rosh Hashanah. So what, what do we answer? Yes, something did happen. Man was created. But what does that have to do with Kedusha Sayyim? What does that have to do with the holiness that's attached to this particular time? And the answer on this first level, there are many answers for this, but on this first level, it's a big mistake. The creation of man is a spiritual gift to the world. The, the creation of man with his, with his struggles, with his confusion, with the fact that he thinks in his head that God is there only if he wants to accept and if he's not, he's not. With all of that nonsense, the creation of man nevertheless remains a gift to the world because in the creation of man is the tension of should I accept or shouldn't I accept and the fact that I do accept in the midst of a struggle, is, is, bears, bears proof to the fact that there is a new quality of relationship. There's a new quality of bringing God into the world that was made possible by the creation of man. By the creation of man, a level of God awareness, a level of a relationship of God to his world was made possible that wouldn't have been possible without man. 
So that means a spiritual gift was given by the creation of man. That spiritual gift sanctifies the time. And that's why Rosh Hashanah also has Kedusha Sayyim. It also has a sanctity of time. So to put it in capsule form in order to make it even more, so to speak, come to home for ourselves, how we relate to it, you want to know what the holiness of the day of Rosh Hashanah is all about. The holiness of the day of Rosh Hashanah is the gift of all human potential that God decided he wanted to give the world on that day. That, in that lies the holiness of the day of Rosh Hashanah. Now, this has many implications. It has a lot to do with the image that we have of ourselves as human beings. You know, we figure often that we are human beings and God is God and God sanctifies time, but how are we vehicles of sanctifying time? But that's what this is really saying. That the greatest gift that was given to this world, the beginning of God's creative process with the world, was the creation. The reason why, if you're familiar with how the, the prayers of, the, of, a, of, a, of an Amida prayer go, the Amida prayers of any Shabbos or holiday work in the following way. There are three blessings at the beginning, which are basically praise. There are three at the end, which are basically thanks. And then there's one in the middle on the holidays and on Shabbos, which deals with the theme of the day, the holiness of the day. Now, I mentioned before, listen carefully, this is not complicated, that there are three parts that are unique to the Musaf prayer. Malchias, making God as king. Zichronos, the remembrance of God with his world. And Shofros, the concept and the sources of the Shofar, the sound of the Shofar. Now, which one of these three is identified as the central theme by which the day becomes sanctified. The Melech concept, the Remembrance concept, or the Shofar concept. If you open up the Machser, you'll see that the discussion of the theme of the day, the holiness of the day, is completely wrapped in one of those three. Which one? God as Melech. God as the King. In other words, because God is a king, I know king means all kinds of horrible things to people, but what we're talking about in terms of king is having God because of an acceptance of him as being a leader for me, as a guide for me, right? if we want to get it down to a little bit more realistic terms. And it's, the, and it's the fact that God created on the day of Rosh Hashanah that which could create that kind of a relationship, that's what sanctifies the day of Rosh Hashanah. Now, just before we go any further in the discussion of what the day of Rosh Hashanah is all about, what does it really mean to accept God as king? What does it mean? Right. We've been talking about accepting God as king, a relationship with God due to acceptance in spite of the struggles that I have. But what does it really mean? I mean, it's very easy to say, long live the king. I mean, and, and then go do what you want to do. But what does it mean to accept God as Melech? What does that mean, to accept God as Melech? Well, this is one of those things that are hard to swallow. But what it means to accept God as Melech means that I have the confidence that that which God has related to me in terms of how I should direct my life is what I should be accepting for myself in life. That's what it really boils down to. In other words, God is a director. God is telling me how I should live my life in terms of behavior, in terms of values, in terms of what is appropriate to do, what not, what's not appropriate to do. And yes, it's not democratic. Somebody is telling me what to do. Right? Somebody is telling me what to do. And that's hard enough to accept, especially in the kinds of society and thinking that we have. But what accepting God as Melech means is that though I struggle with some of the directions and though I struggle with accepting always being told what to do and what not to do and leave me alone, I'm mature and I'm an adult and I can make my own decisions. What accepting God as Melech means is I accept the direction that you're giving me. Yeah, I'm being directed. That's a statement for itself. 
I'm being directed, I'm being willing, I'm willing to be directed, I'm willing to be advised and be told what's right and what's wrong, even though I might not necessarily appreciate it or comprehend it. That all goes into what it means to accept God as Melech. The fact, again, it has, it is not an abstract term of believing in God, right? The abstract term of believing in God didn't need the creation of man. It didn't need man. The porcupines and the pigs and the giraffes and, every, and the ants and the birds and everything else has that level of acceptance of an awareness of God. The world didn't need man for that. What the world needed man was for this higher level of being able to accept direction, being able to, to take on and to accept the fact that God is a melech in my life, that he's a ruler in my life, that he's a director and he's a guide in my life. That's what the concept of melech is all about. And it is not a mechanical relationship because when we have to struggle with accepting this kind of direction and we do accept it, right? and it's a process of accepting it, sometimes I can accept part of it and not the whole thing and some things yes and some things not, it's difficult. Right? It's not an easy thing. Right? But it's not mechanical. It's not a question of mechanics, how many things am I doing and how many things I'm not doing. But it is a definition of a quality of a relationship, a rapport with God. So the acceptance of God as a king is not just a technical question of how much will I do and how much won't I do. It's a question of a rapport with God. Ha accepting God is a part of my life. He's telling me, he's directing me, he's showing me the way. That's, that's what the flavor of what this melech is all about. And ultimately he's a melech for me and I create a relationship with him because I had a choice not to have that relationship with him. And because I have the choice to have it or not to have it, and I chose to have it, that creates a relationship that could not be created in any other way. Because I had the choice. And because I came to the, the decision of choosing that way, that creates the relationship. Now, with this, we move on to a second part. And the second part that we move on to is that there's another thing that is going on on the day of Rosh Hashanah. The first thing that's going on on the day of Rosh Hashanah is that in the same way that on that day of creation, so many years ago, God gifted the world with the ability to have that kind of a rapport by the creation of this thing called human being, man, there is yet another thing that's going on. And this is a concept in the repetition of the calendar. Every Rosh Hashanah that visits us, God makes the same statement to his world. In other words, just like we have a concept that every Pesach there is a quality of redemption that visits the world, and that's why we say that Pesach we went out of Egypt and in Pesach time we will finally come to see Mashiach. Similarly, when it comes to the time of Rosh Hashanah, it's also an identical concept. The same way that the very first time that God created the world, God was blessing the world with a gift of the ability for man to have a rapport with God that was based on the fact that he chose to have the rapport. Every year, God looks at his world and says, I want a world, and I want a rapport, and I want to be a melech, and I want to be accepted. In simple English, the theme of what goes out of God's mouth on the day of Rosh Hashanah is, I want to be accepted by man through his struggles. Now, this, I want to be accepted by man through his struggles, is not an egotistical need of God, but it is a statement of what God wants so that the world should be able to reach the state of blessing that God had intended for the world. But every time when Rosh Hashanah comes around, God, so to speak, reviews that goal that he wanted for the world. The same way that when I created the world, I created the world, and on this day I made that which could create a rapport with me. Again, when Rosh Hashanah comes, God looks at his world and says, I want that rapport. I want to be accepted as a melech. And here we come to a very fascinating concept. Because if, the, if what is happening on the day of Rosh Hashanah is that God is saying the following thing. 
I want a rapport with man. I want man to develop a rapport with me. That's what I want on this day. This is what the day means to me in God's language. So when we stand, quote-unquote, on Rosh Hashanah in a day of judgment, what are we judged for? What we're judged for is how sensitive are we to this concept of a rapport with God. That's what we're judged for. See, I'm talking about a birthday of creation, a gift to the man, a rapport with God. What does this all have to do with the day of Rosh Hashanah being a day of judgment? But they are interlinked. They are interlocked with each other. Being that the day of Rosh Hashanah is a day in which God says, I want man to accept me. I want, God, I want man to develop a rapport with me of this nature. That is precisely what man is judged for. Is he sensitive to that statement of God on the day of Rosh Hashanah? Now, when man is judged in this way, the man is judged on two levels. He's judged, what did he do in the past year as a statement of a keen interest for a rapport with God? That's one way he's judged. He is also judged, what has he committed himself to on this day of Rosh Hashanah into the future in terms of a rapport with God? Now, here we come to a fascinating concept which I'm not going to go through. It's too lengthy to go through to prove it. But basically what the day of Rosh Hashanah is, what have, what have you done in terms of my statement of make me melech? In other words, make me a melech in your life. In other words, God is saying, make me a king in your life. And the person is judged, did you make me a king in your life or not? He's judged for his past, but he's also judged for his plans for the future. The, one of the interesting qualities of Rosh Hashanah is that even if a person could not prove on the day of Rosh Hashanah that he believes in the statement, I want you as my king, based upon what happened in the past year. But if on the day of Rosh Hashanah he comes to grips with the fact that, yes, this is what I need in my life, and I want once and for all that God should demonstrate his kingdom to me and show me the direction that I'm looking for, even if in the past year he did not say, God, I want you to be my king, he will come out of the day of Rosh Hashanah meritorious. Why? This is not really the reason why. But if we would want a way of remembering this rule, that it's not the past that is the crucial, but it's the present and the future commitment of God as king in my life that's central, is because on the first day of creation there was no past. It was all looking to the future. And because on the very first day of creation, the whole focus of God's relationship was based on the future, there is a concept in Rosh Hashanah that even if I can't prove on the day of Rosh Hashanah that I did anything in the past year that was a statement, God, I want you as king in my life. But if on the day of Rosh Hashanah I can say, but from now on I need you in my life and I want you as a king in my life, that is sufficient for the person to be able to be Yitzhah Zakai Bedin, that he can go out of the day of Rosh Hashanah in a meritorious fashion. <clears throat> it's quite different than all of the greeting cards that we have for Rosh Hashanah. The greeting cards that we have for Rosh Hashanah talk about health, life, happiness, success, but that's not what Rosh Hashanah is all about. What Rosh Hashanah really is all about is man understanding that he needs a direction, he needs a leader, he needs somebody to give him direction. He wants a king. To, in other words, he, needs, he, need, he wants leadership in his life. And he wants God to be that leadership in his life. That's what Rosh Hashanah is about. In the midst of wanting God as leadership in my life, come all of the blessings that I need in order to perform that which a loyal subject has to perform in God's kingdom. But the central theme of Rosh Hashanah is to prove my rapport with God. The rapport of the day of Rosh Hashanah is leadership. The need to recognize God's leadership in my life. That's what the theme of the day is. Once I recognize that, all of the blessings come with it because I'm a loyal subject that deserves all of the blessing that comes with it. But that, the central theme is not a, a sophisticated way of getting everything on a shopping list. 
That's not what the day of Rosh Hashanah is. The day of Rosh Hashanah is man understanding the unique function that he has as a human being in being able to develop a rapport with God. Precisely not because things are simple to him, but precisely because things are difficult for him. And precisely because things are a struggle and I opt to the, the, to the way of asking for God to direct me in, in my decisions. Another part of this is that on the day of Rosh Hashanah, I might not be able to prove that as a single individual I fit into the formula of make, 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 I want you as my king. But I could prove it as being part of a greater community. Let me explain this because this is also fascinating. What this means is as follows. A person stands in front of God and God says, listen, I don't want to know anything about anything else. I want to know about you. Do you, for yourself, personally, do you see me as any central figure in terms of direction in your life? And God looks over his past year, pretty miserable, doesn't seem to have any kind of focus on God being a leader in his life. What's his plan for the future? Also pretty unclear. Sometimes it's possible that if God looks at the person just as an individual, he, doesn't, he can't prove himself on a personal basis. God, I want you as a king in my life. But sometimes, and this is something which is very interesting and it should be a, a source of comfort to us, sometimes God will look at the person and God will say, yes, but this person is involved in his community. And community-related, in a community-related way, he wants God in the world. In other words, in his own personal life, he still has struggles. And it's not so simple that he's ready yet to make the statement, God, you be the leader. We want you here. But if the person, as part of a group, functions as, yes, we want you here, a person can be yaitzah zakai bedin that way too. So it's, it's interesting that even if a person can't prove personal growth on the day of Rosh Hashanah, but he can identify with the concept of last, that God must be a leader on a community-related way, as a Klau Yisrael. In other words, in terms of community, we want concepts of God, even though on a personal basis I'm still struggling with it. That's also something that a person can use. And this is why great Hasidic masters stressed that on the day of Rosh Hashanah a person should never plea his case as an individual but should always try to plea his case with his commitments to his community because as an individual it's sometimes very very hard to prove one's case that one has really gotten that now it doesn't end by being involved in your community and forget about personal growth but if I can start at least with a concept of accepting God somewhere within the parameters of my of my behavior. If it's as it's related to the community, that's a place to start. And now let's deal with one third, one last concept of what the spirit of the day of Rosh Hashanah is. We spoke about the day of Rosh Hashanah being special because it was gifted with the creation of man and that's what gives it its sanctity. We spoke... <coughs> about the fact that being that God, every Rosh Hashanah, revisits the world and says, I want a rapport with man. The judgment of the day of Rosh Hashanah is how sensitive is man to that request of God. And that's how the person has to address the issues of the day of Rosh Hashanah. Do I listen? Can I hear? Can I comprehend? Can I appreciate God's request for a rapport in, in my life as an individual or my life as part of the community? And then there is a third part, a third concept to it. <coughs> the Talmud tells us that all through creation, Kolbriya Shanivra, that every single thing that was created it was created in a full perfect state the first things that were created they weren't born but they were created 
And the Gemara adds another thing, and the Gemara says, Lada'ata nivra'o. What does that mean, Lada'ata nivra'o? It means that God, when He created every single thing, created it with a will for it to function along the lines that it was intended for when it was created. In other words, when God created everything, in other words, it wasn't as if God creates something but the thing itself inherently doesn't want to be here. Part of the definition of the creation of life is the desire to live, the desire to value life. And when God created life in this world, Ladata Nivru means that each thing that was created was created with an innate appreciation of its existence. Which means an innate appreciation of the reason for which it was brought into being. That is a part of the creation. That is not something that you learn in school or you listen to a sermon. That's part of the quality of the blessing of life. The blessing of life is wanting that life. Not wanting to let go of that life. That's, an, that's part of life. And when God created man, He created man also in a way that man wants life in the most central way that life was intended. Ladata nivru, they were created, so to speak, with their agreeing to it. What does that mean with their agreeing to it? How do you agree to something before you're created? You can't agree to it until after you're created. What it means is that there was an innate quality of wanting what I am going to be that was put into, the very, into my very being. I want what I am. I want what I was intended to be when I was created. There's an innate... In other words, my attachment to life is an attachment of wanting to be that which I was intended to be when I was created. This is how everything was created. If this is true, so when it comes to the day of Rosh Hashanah, we have yet another interesting quality in the day of Rosh Hashanah. When the day of Rosh Hashanah comes around, it's not only that God says, I want a rapport with man, and I want man to accept me as Melech, but the other side of the coin is also true. That on the day of Rosh Hashanah, just like on the day of Rosh Hashanah so many years ago when the first man was created, what was created with man? What was created with, with man is also the want on man's part to be created the way he was created. I'm happy with the fact that I was created. I'm happy with the life that was intended for me. The day of Rosh Hashanah has that blessing on man's side as well. In other words, the same way that we said in the part two, that the same way that God says on the day of Rosh Hashanah every year, I want man to accept me as Melech, and then the question becomes, is man listening to the call and, is, and he's judged for that call? It's not a one-sided thing on the day of Rosh Hashanah. In the same way that every Rosh Hashanah there's another voice coming and saying, please accept me as king for the goodness that I want to give you, there is also another quality in the day of Rosh Hashanah on the other side which is that the same way that on the day of Rosh Hashanah man was created with the delight of being happy that he was created for what he was created, every Rosh Hashanah, deep, deep down in the human being, there is a delight with what I was intended to be when I was created. I'm happy with that. I can make terms with that. I can make terms with that. And that is a very significant thing. It is a significant thing because essentially what it creates in the human being is the ability to be able to make a new choice. In other words, the fact that God says on every Rosh Hashanah, man, please accept me, let's have a rapport, that itself doesn't necessarily make any change in man's decisions. But the fact that on the day of Rosh Hashanah, the same way that on the first Rosh Hashanah, man was created, and not only was he created, but the delight of being alive was created, in the, not only to be alive, but to be alive in the way that God intended man to be alive, that same gift, it really exists for man every Rosh Hashanah. I can make terms and I can be happy being what I was intended to be by God. I, there's, a, there's a happiness in my own creation. I can accept my creation. I can accept my being. 
if that's a quality that's in Rosh Hashanah, that automatically uh, tilts my ability to be able to choose better. Because what essentially happens is that in all the choices that we make, let's say they're negative choices, what we're really doing is, besides there being negative choices, we're also resisting what we were intended to be when we were created. We're, we're with rationale or with resentment or with hatred or with anger, we're really saying, I don't want to be what I was intended to be. When the day of Rosh Hashanah comes, there's an element in the day of Rosh Hashanah that says, be what you, be what you wanted to be, what you were created to be. And you can be happy with it. You can be happy with it. If that's the element that's in the day, it automatically gives me a source of, of inner strength to make better choices. To make choices that are closer to what I really am as a human being. It's a higher level of Bechira. Let's take it one step further and then we'll stop. Let's take it one step further in terms of a practical example. The implication of the last statement that I made is that at a given point in time, when man was created, particularly, there was a certain happiness with being created with the neshama that I was created with, with the purpose and with the role and with the relationship. And then what happened was that man slowly went away from that created state. In other words, from the beginning of his creation, there was, so to speak, um, a way that man was able to reconcile happily with the fact that he was created with the neshama. I'm happy with my creation. That means I'm happy with the fact that I was created with the neshama and everything that goes along with neshama. And then what happens when a person makes choices which are negative choices, what the person is basically doing is going away from that earlier state of satisfaction with creation, with my created state. That's what's going on. You're veering away from it. In every person's life, in every person's life, there are also similar situations. There are situations in a person's life no matter where we start off from, no matter what our environments are, that there's a certain amount of basic good and basic parameters that we have by virtue of where we were created. There are certain parameters. And then, through our choices and through our processes, we change the whole scenario. And we can't point to God and say, the person that I am with all of my drives, with all of my impulses, with all of the habits that I have today, this is all the exact state of creation when you brought me into the world. We would love to say that to God so that we'd be off the hook. But it's not that way. Every person is created in a certain stage and that's his created state and there's a certain amount of peace with the state that I'm in for better and for the opposite for both sides of it but man doesn't stay in one place man then begins to move out into areas that could quite conceivably were areas that originally were were clean areas untouched areas not hurt areas not tainted areas and you go out into those areas and you make a big mess and then you say well it's all your fault God because you gave me the negative inclination and so on and so forth it's really not like that Every person is created, every person is created with a ladatan, with a certain happiness with their state. And then they make changes and modifications with it. And this is something that we have to think about because for the Yetzirahs that we're created with and the shortcomings that we're created with and we didn't make the changes from the original created state, there is a certain amount of leniency there. But when we go out of the limb, so we go out on a limb and we go beyond the created state and we, cr and we 
develop new states that were never the state that we were born into, those are the states that we seriously have to answer for. Those are the states that we have to have to deal with much more seriously. <coughs> to put it all together, to try to get a little bit what the concept of Rosh Hashanah is all about, really what Rosh Hashanah boils down to is 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 a very simple yet a very moving concept and that is the belief that a human being has that they are a significant part of creation and they are a significant part in God's world. The fact that the day of Rosh Hashanah is a day in which God gave a spiritual gift to the world which is called man and if you go over to any person and you tap them on his shoulder and you ask him, what are you celebrating on the day of Rosh Hashanah? Your answer should be, I am celebrating my creation. I am celebrating the fact that God created me and what I can be by the fact that God created me. That's what the day of Rosh Hashanah is. Quite different from what we usually think it is. The judgment of the day is to the extent of how much do we appreciate and how much do we understand that significant role. But it really starts at a very critical line. In other words, a person, for instance, let me give you an example of what I'm saying. A person that comes along and says, what I do and what I choose has absolutely no relevance or importance. I'm a nothing. God is great. God is awesome. God is everything. And I'm nothing. And my choices, I'm a speck upon the horizon and I'm insignificant and what difference does it make? A person with that kind of an attitude is completely misaligned with Rosh Hashanah. Because the whole celebration of Rosh Hashanah is celebrating one's creation. It's celebrating one's creation in terms of what God gave me, and I'm happy with what God gave me. I'm happy also with the fact that God is saying, there's a rapport that I'm waiting for. There's a rapport that's able to be created through you, and I'm waiting for that. So it's really a celebration of the significant role that man can...